Welcome back to another episode of the Fat Cat Podcast. Today's going to be a little more serious episode. Um, I got some topics written down, but uh, I wasn't I wasn't going to film a podcast today. Um, what I've been uh, wanting to do and experimenting with is um, so for anyone who doesn't know the app Omegle, which you could talk to people online face-to-face, um, that app had shut down. So they have they have some other apps. Uh, the two popular ones that I've seen is an app called uh, Monkey and an app called OMETV. So last weekend, I was sick as a dog. But the weekend before, I, was, um, I went on OMETV and started match with people just started to uh try to you know see what i could do test out the obs um i wasn't recording it in uh in the podcast room i was in my bedroom recording it so i was using a uh a streaming camera and uh, uh the mic that came with it so i was just experimenting with obs and uh, uh screen recording on the computer um, OBS is an app, uh, you can, that people use for streaming basically. So I was just experimenting with that cause I'd like to start streaming soon. Um, but yeah, I had, I had a, a topic on my mind that I thought, uh, uh, would be a good story to share on a podcast is, uh, uh, my drug history, the history of me. And, um, yeah, so that's what, uh, a good portion of today's episode is going to be. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. All right. Um, I remember at a very young age, I think I was like 14. Uh, it must've been towards my 15th birthday was the first time I had, a uh, smoked weed. And I had smoked weed with a, a, a girl I was dating at the time. And um, I know a huge question for a lot of people who don't do drugs is um, usually the answer is why. Because they can't fathom, they, they can't fathom why people get addicted to drugs. And the reason people get addicted to drugs is because... <clears throat> Um, like I'm like 99% sure it's, it's linked to childhood trauma. And if it's not linked to childhood trauma, it's linked to some form of, uh, emotional trauma. You know, if you see someone who had like a good childhood and got addicted to drugs later on, it's usually because something very bad happened to them or happened to their family, you know, like, I mean, something like your your parents dying can have a, a very uh, large impact on you emotionally and you just can't deal with it, right? So as a kid, I was always... Um, I want to say abused, but it wasn't as bad as some other people had it, okay? I don't want to sit here and uh, act like... A, uh, pity me or anything. 
Um, it was a little more mild. Um, but as a kid, I always had these feelings of, I don't want to be me. I'm not comfortable in my own skin. I'm not comfortable in my setting. Um, and I had no way to escape all the bad that was happening to me. There was nothing I could do. So in my mind, it was like, I, I didn't want to be here, but I had to be here. And so I, I, I thought if, if I were to like, you know, if, if only I could get my hands on, on some weed or, or, or something and all my problems would go away. And around like, I think 13, I had a, a big interest in wanting to, to try weed. And as a kid, I always knew about drugs, but I didn't see, I didn't like see any or know anyone selling it until I was about like 14 and then come along 15. It's like a little bit after my birthday or maybe maybe like around my birthday i remember it was um it was fall and the first time i tried weed my girlfriend had got it from her cousin and we uh we went to a, a park to go smoke and um i remember getting stoned and i just uh i thought i felt like it didn't affect me you know so that that was my first time and i felt like i didn't i didn't feel a difference you know and um, I did it another time, which I think me and her went to a park again and smoked. But I remember I went to my friend Trucker's house. All right. And um, he had the whole he had the whole squad with him, basically. And uh, it was super fun, you know, because um, everyone I knew there. I had already known and I was already, I was already like pretty, uh, uh, close with, um, so it was like a really good time and they had a lot of weed. And I think between us all, we, it was, well, it must've been like eight people must've been like eight people. And we had, um, I don't know. We probably smoked through half an ounce. And I remember getting stoned and just, um, it was fun. It was fun, but I didn't feel too much of a difference, you know. Like when I went home, um I was happy because I had a good time, but that feeling of wanting to escape my situation didn't go away. And um I'd say for a year <clears throat> I was just like getting stoned. Um Usually like after school, you know, just, just, just going out, hanging with friends, getting stoned, you know, the typical uh, high school thing, which was fun, but it just didn't, weed just didn't do it for me. It didn't, I didn't get what I wanted out of it. So I was never a huge fan of weed. Now, when I was 16, um, uh, one of the girls at, uh, and I originally uh, uh, had that smoke sesh with a trucker. I, I'm, I knew her. Me and her got close, like, from that moment. She she was one of the people that I didn't really know. I knew of her. 
um, everyone else I was pretty close with. Um, and, uh, I think maybe a year later, you know, uh, after school, I'd, you know, hang out with who, you know, whoever's outside in the ville. And, um, she had pills with her. Um, specifically, I remember she had two different ones, but she had a Klonopin and, uh, I bought one off her for $10 (laughs) and, um, I remember taking it and then like 30 minutes, an hour later, you know, we're just walking around the ville and, uh, we're in the park walking around and I feel very like, I felt lethargic. Like I didn't want to move. Like I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking like, like I just gained 200 pounds. Like I had, it, it felt like when I was walking, I had someone on my back, but when I was relaxed, like sitting down, it was it was pure bliss and it was very euphoric and I just all these years of just being so tensed up about my home situation um it just went away like I finally felt relaxed I finally felt comfort and um you know that 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 that's when I found that you know, this weed ain't working. It's, uh, you know, these pills, uh, they're, they're, they're making me feel, uh, I'm able to take a trip without leaving the farm basically. So, um, I was 16 when I did that and, um, you know, pills were just, they were just hard to come by. Um, so I'd really just, you know, I'd get stoned with my friends didn't really like getting stoned but you know because everyone else was doing it I was doing it and then I was towards like middle of 16 years old I was able to get uh, alcohol Um, I started meeting people who were 21 and who would be willing to get me alcohol and um, I remember I think one of like the first times I drank was um, I met I started hanging out with Jackson as you guys know and um he had a friend uh Dalton and Matthew Dalton and Matthew were real close and um they they would they would hang out um Jackson knew Dalton through Matthew but uh Dalton agreed to buy me a, a two four locos from the gas station and uh me and Jackson would drink and have a really good time and you know, just I, I, I when when I when I got drunk, that also did it for me. That also made me um, feel good. It would make me feel comfortable. I didn't feel uh, insecure about myself. I felt energetic. I wanted to talk to people. I had this. It gave me uh, a sense of confidence that I didn't normally have. So drinking was definitely big for me and uh pills were um so you know when i'd hang around jackson he had the the connect for for booze so i started hanging around jackson more and man we we have a boatload of fun man um i had also started smoking cigarettes at 15 which you know the nick buzz that was always good you know 
nicotine buzz. I mean, everybody likes it. Um, but yeah, I remember I'd I'd hang out with Jackson. We'd get we'd get like shit faced every weekend, and uh, we'd go to like do uh, spooky stuff. You know, we'd go to like haunted places. Like um, we'd Google like local haunted places in Indiana. You know. There were uh there were a couple places that like some YouTubers or like ghost adventurers went to. So we wanted to go there. We wanted to like explore abandoned houses and stuff. And that stuff was just so much fun, you know? We just we we kind of I don't know if I should say we because you know when I got drunk I, I was I was a bit rowdy. So when we went to these places it was like uh you know, we we'd get drunk and just have fun. I don't want to say like I would vandalize some stuff. I don't I don't remember if if Jackson did any of that, um, which I don't think he did too much of. But I know I did. I know when uh, we went to a gypsy graveyard, it was like there was a story of, uh, you know, you go to gypsy graveyard and there was some lady who like hung herself on the tree and 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 Jackson's parents, they they Jackson's parents were like big on like the ghost adventurer stuff. And um so they would always go out to these these places and stuff they heard of. And uh Jackson took me there and I remember I like tipped over a couple of the tombstones, which is a pretty disrespectful thing to do, but at the time I really didn't care, you know. I just wanted to uh, get drunk and be rowdy and uh f- feel different, you know. <clears throat> which was great and I did have a lot of fun. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, just so many good memories every weekend, me and Jackson going out and doing some uh, crazy stuff and partying a lot. But um, I'd say right around when I hit 17, I started working at Portillo's. I had left. I had originally, it was my first job was I worked at Taco Bell, and that sucked. Um, just the people there. It just sucked ass, you know, it's Taco Bell. Uh, I went to Portillo's, man. And when I went to Portillo's, it was deaf. I was very excited because it was just, it was way bigger. You know, it was like a super popular place. It's bumping. And there was a lot of kids there like me. There was a lot of high school kids like me. And I could, I could really like identify with these people. And I mean, that was probably like the greatest it's definitely up there as my favorite jobs I've ever worked was working at Portillo's. Um, yeah, so I worked at Portillo's for about maybe nine months. And at the time I was still like, I would smoke weed, but I was still in school, I believe. I was about 17. Um, and... I had moved up, so originally, you know, I'm I'm down in Hancock County, and I had moved when I was about 17 and a half. It was midway through my junior year. Um, I'm working up in near Muncie. I'm working at like the Myers in Muncie, and taking little odd jobs around there, trying to see where, you know, I wanted to be, as far as working. And I remember, um. The, the, when I worked at Myers and Muncie, that was pretty fun because uh, I was still getting booze. Like at this point in my life, I'm just drinking. Like the the 
I'm mainly drinking. I'm smoking a little bit. Um, and pills are just super hard to come by at the, at the, at this point. So my favorite drink, which I stopped, uh, drinking four locos cause it would like, it would, it would sit in my stomach like battery acid and it just, it just didn't feel good. And the hangovers were just, were just gross. Um, I started drinking Seagram's gin and Jim beam were my favorites. So I would mix, which I really like to do is Jim Beam with Pepsi and then like lemon juice. I really like, I always liked lemon and limes and stuff. So, I mean, I would take like a whole lemon and just squeeze it in, you know, just really liked the the sour taste. And then Seagram's gin, which you could, you could pretty much mix with anything. Seagram's and lemonade was good. Seagram's Mountain Dew, stuff like that. And, um, uh, I remember I'm working at Myers and I'm cart pushing and uh, it wasn't a bad gig because you'd get like a I would work for six hours and I'd get like three 15 minute breaks and um, I was smoking cigarettes and I was also very drunk while I worked I would have a whole half gallon of Seagram's gin in my car and on on the breaks I'd go in my car, smoke a cigarette, and I, I'd pour up like a tall glass of just, and it was straight half Seagram's gin and like half Mountain Dew. That was it. And so, you know, you're just pushing carts drunk, uh, having fun. There was, there was some cool people there too, which, which made the job pretty easy. Uh, I remember there was this dude there. I think his name was Jeremiah. But you could tell this dude was like a little autistic. Like his brain just didn't work right. And uh, he was like a nerdy guy, and he was big into um, uh, bicycles. He was big into uh, like repairing bicycles, and his dream was to like open up a bike repair shop, which is awesome. Um, there was also another dude, I forget his name, but he 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 like he he was going to Ball State for accounting and stuff. And this kid, I mean, he really had it going for him. You know, he took um, I don't know what it's called, but in his junior year, he started college. And so by the time he graduated high school, he already got two years of college down. <coughs> and uh, yeah, um, so he was on his thing, and and eventually, by the time that me and him were working together. He was already like almost done with his degree in accounting. So I remember when he left, you know, that sucked because he was a super cool guy. But there was there was also another dude there named Eddie. And you could tell Eddie was like fried out of his mind. Like I knew this dude was doing drugs. He was just fried out of his mind. And he had the look of like uh, Tommy Chong in uh uh what what's that movie they did i can't believe i forget this movie up in smoke i think it's called let me be sure yeah up in smoke he looked like tommy chong he had like shaggy hair and the bandana but this dude was like ginger and when he talked he kind of like he kind of talked fast and he you could you could just barely understood what he was saying. You'd you'd have to hang around him long enough to kind of understand what he's saying. Cause he would, 
I just don't even know. He would just say his, you just knew he was fried. Like his brain was just fried from drugs, you know? And uh, so, you know, he was a cool dude to hang out with. Um, I think the, the, the one thing I remember about Jeremiah is uh, this dude was like 6'3", white guy, real skinny, long hair. He's just kind of the weird dude. Like you, you, I mean, you talk to him a couple times, but he didn't me like he wasn't into what I was into, you know, but I remember one thing about Jeremiah dude is he would always wear really tight, skinny jeans and you could see his dong. And, uh, he, he had a monster dong. Like, I know it's pretty sus, like looking at a man's dong, but like you just, you couldn't miss it. You couldn't miss it. You know, it was, I mean, huge. It was a thigh slapper. I mean, I remember I just, I looked at him one day. He was like, he was like, I don't know, 50 feet away. I look at him coming towards me and it's just monster dong halfway down his leg. I mean, it's halfway on the, on the damn, uh, uh, fucking thigh meat. <clears throat> but, uh, anyways, uh, I had left there and I'm still, still hanging out with Jackson every weekend, right? I left there and I went back to Portillo's. All right. And right around this point, we're uh, getting our hands. We're starting to get like pills are starting to come around, you know. And I remember we take like Xanax. Um, Xanax. I mean, snorting Ambien. Um, snorting Hydro's. That stuff kind of starts, but it's really the Xanax and Ambien. And I, I, when I was on Xanax, it was kind of the first time I didn't, I didn't really notice anything. It just felt like I just felt good when I was on it. You know, you know, when you're, when you're sober and you're having a good day, that's, you know, that was Xanax for me at the time. But I'm still getting shit faced and just like, you know, I'm I'm happy when uh I'm messed up on something, you know. So I leave um Meyer and I started working at Portillo's again. Now, when I go back to Portillo's, I'm more into drugs and you know, I start meeting the people who are also you know, in the drugs. So at this point I was, um, I was meeting people who had more. So I started, I would like buy more Xanax, you know, buy hydrocodone and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling good. you know, alcohol and pills was definitely, you know, my thing. And, um, I remember I had, a, I was dating a girl at the time and we had broken up and when i started working at portillo's we were talking about getting back together and i remember one day i called her phone and her boyfriend answered or something like i didn't know you know like i thought i thought she was single i guess like i i don't know but the situation like i was super mad and um it's the situation's a little foggy cuz i was like so fucked up on a lot of shit but anyways, I'd like met her boyfriend one time and we got into a fight. Um, 
you know, I'm pissed off, you know. I thought I was I thought I was big and bad. I thought I could take him. I couldn't, you know. I was 17 and this dude was like 25, which was like weird a little bit, you know. Like this cuz cuz my my girl at the time was 17 too. So she's 17 dating a 25-year-old. That's a little weird, but um I don't know. I thought I was big and bad, so I I started a fight with him and lost, you know. Uh I took a I took a right hand to the chin. And that was no bueno. It caught me. I got all dizzy. I fell down. And then he um, he put a gun to my head. And uh, he was like, you know, I'm really about that. You know, don't fuck with me. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, damn, dude. All right. All right. Chill. All right. All right. I get it. You know. And uh, after that moment, I remember like the shame, you know, the shame of like getting your ass beat. It's something, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know. This is the shame of defeat. And I was just super embarrassed because it happened uh, in front of her, you know. So after that, I just, I had so much pain of of that moment and then the, uh, the stuff I was going through with my, my family. And I just, I had to get high, you know, I just had to. So after that moment it really started to accelerate um, the drug use, you know. So I met a dude, and he sold me, uh, a, like, a whole prescription of Xanax. And I remember um, it wasn't, the like, the four-milligram bars. It was, like, two-milligram uh, blue, like, football-shaped things. And so I'd cut, I'd cut them all in half, and I would take like one milligram of them uh, uh, maybe like three or four times a day. So I'm just, you know, I'm taking these Xanax. And, uh, you know, the the shame of that incident. Hold on. My lips are a little dry. I had some skin. I had some dead I got some dead skin bothering me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll send that to you. I'll, I'll I'll put that on uh I'll put that on my Shopify. You guys can buy my dead lip skin for five dollars. Um, anyway, so you know I'm taking this Xanax. I mean I'm a month straight. I'm just numb off the Xanny bars, and I'm I'm drinking with Jackson. And uh, I'd say about like a month and a half. You know I'm probably taking what, like two, almost three milligrams of Xanax a day? And a month and a half of that goes by, and then I can't get Xanax anymore, you know? And if anyone doesn't know, like, when you cut Xanax cold turkey, it's really not good for you, and there's a good amount of people who die from it. It just, like, when you're on Xanax, it messes with your brain. It's like um, if you want to get off of it, you have to wean off of it. You can't go cold turkey. Like it'll really, it can kill you. You know, it's like alcohol. Um. So I remember the the night that I went cold turkey off of it. Right, I I I did get my hands on um. I think a, it was some kind of opiate pill. So I took it that night, but weaning off of the 
No, I don't even want to say weaning off because I didn't. Um, the cold, the night that I went cold turkey off the Xanax, I remember sitting in my room. I don't know what it's called, like psychosis or something. Like I'm, I'm starting to see things, you know. And I'm like, I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, and I was like, I was like playing video games, and I just felt myself like I was paralyzed, you know. Like, I couldn't move, and I was kind of like, I don't know. Like, I just, I was sitting, you know, it was dark. I had all the lights turned off. I'm just sitting there playing games, kind of like nodding off off the uh, opiate pill. But um, I remember I started to, like, become paralyzed, and I couldn't move. And then I remember, like, everything starts turning red, and I remember I had the feeling of um, something watching me. I could see something watching me, like, out of the corner of my eye. But it's, like, it's like behind me, you know? It's like I got a quarter in this room. I'm looking at you. I can't see it. But if I, if I tilt my eyes over, I can vaguely see the corner. And I see, like, something black watching me. And, it, like, I was just sitting there sweating, terrified. And that lasted, like, an hour. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that wasn't fun, but, uh, you know, after an hour, I was like, you know, that was weird. Brushed it off, continued what I was doing, went to bed. Um, anyways, so I'm just, I'm just doing opiates and like the pain from that, that, that shame, you know, after time goes on, you get over stuff like that. Um, so I didn't, it wasn't as bad as it, as it was like. I didn't really need the Xanax anymore. I wasn't really like fiending for it, but I'm definitely, you know, I'm doing opiates, stuff like that. Um, so anyways, you know, I turn 18. Um, I'm still hanging out with Jackson, drinking, smoking, uh, taking pills. And I remember like, you know, all the family shit is still going on, you know, and I still just never felt okay. And it got to the point, like, when I was 18, my dad basically, like, he wanted me out of the house, like, so bad. And I remember it was, like, the last two months, like, before I turned 19, uh, he basically, like, ground me. He wouldn't let me do anything, kind of as a way of, like, get out of my house, you know? Like kind of like forcing me out basically without telling me to leave. Um, so when that hit, I remember I had kind of got my life together a little bit. You know, I stopped with the drugs and I was like working out like at the time I wanted to be like a Marine or whatever. And so I was working out with them and I lost a bunch of weight. I was down to like 200. Um, and like at that time, like I was about to sign the contract, right? But then I kind of like got kicked out by my dad. So it's like, you know, I got to find an apartment. So I moved back to Fortville and that Marine recruiter said I had to go to someone else. So at the time when I moved out, it was like, now I'm free, you know? And, and then my like political views changed and I was like, I don't want to go die for Israel. And uh, so I stopped that. 
I didn't want to be a Marine anymore, but I did get in very good shape, um, which was which was pretty awesome, man. But when I moved out, now I had all this freedom. You know that that like pain of like my entire childhood. I had this pain of I had always like tried to please people. I, I was always trying to please people who didn't care about me, you know, and it hurts worse when it's like those people are your family members, you know, those people are your parents, your siblings, you know, you try to please these people who really don't give a shit, you know, and that, that pain of like, you know, kind of being kicked out and just feeling of like unwanted, like all that pain, like came back. When I moved out, so all I wanted to do was just get shit-faced every night. And at the time, I wasn't working at Portillo's anymore. Uh, one more thing before we end the Portillo's is um, I started doing Coke at Portillo's. Um, coke, like, when I was on it, I would fiend for it, you know. I would like scrape my desk until the wood was gone and I'd like snort up the wood just to get every last like speck of coke. And um but when I wasn't on it, I felt like I didn't need it, you know. So I think I, I probably did it like three times. And then after that, it was like, why bother? You know, it was pretty expensive. Like, I think a lot of people buy it from, for you can find it like $70, $90 a gram. I was getting it for like $60. Um, but just an ex expensive drug. And it just wasn't for me. Um, so I move out, man. <coughs> Stop working at Portillo's. I'm working at a warehouse now. And I'm making really good money. You know, and right before I moved out, I was able to buy a truck. It was like, it was a 2012 F-150, um, uh, FX4 with, I mean, it had the sunroof, the heated, cooled seats, blue, it had Bluetooth, you know, the whole nine. It was like, it had the, it had the high end package. And so that that was very nice, and I do miss that uh, a car. Uh, I, I think I paid like three hundred a month, which wasn't bad. I mean, it, it was it was a sweet ride, man. It was really cool to have, but I just felt at that moment, I just with all the drugs, man, I just felt like on top of the world, you know. And you'd see, I'd see all my peers, and they would look at me, you know, because I was like, I was always the. Everyone thought I was going to be the fuck up. Everyone thought I was going to be the one to go to jail. I was going to be the loser. And then at that moment, I remember like looking at my family, you know, especially like, you know, look at me now, you know, like, fuck you guys, you know, because they, they are just always like thought so lowly of me. You know, I was always the disappointment. But then I look at my peers and I'm like, look at me now. So I had this sense of like cockiness to me. So I was, you know, uh, it just fueled me being an asshole, kind of. And I was just very pissed off at uh, the way my uh, family treated me, the way other people treated me. Uh, 
and I was pissed off at myself for allowing people to uh, treat me that way. You know, I was never the kid to like stand up for himself, um, which is probably one of my biggest regrets in life. Cause, um, you know, if I ever had kid have kids, I'm definitely going to tell them like, it doesn't matter if you win or you lose. It matters if you stood up for yourself or not. You can't, you can't be a coward in certain situations. You have to stand up for yourself, you know? And, um, so I'm out and I'm with my roommate, uh, Brady at the time. And I mean, the way I could describe it was, um, my lifestyle. I was working in a warehouse and I was only working three days a week. I should have picked up a second job, but I was making enough to be able to pay rent and all my bills and stuff. So I would work three days and just four days off of just getting shit faced, man. And, um, it, it was great, man. I was living the life. We, this was around, this was like 2020. We got that stimulus check in. I remember that $1,400, man, which I blew all of that on drugs, man. And the way I can describe my behavior was, if anyone has seen the Steve-O MTV documentary where Steve-O basically like it shows the peak of his drug addiction and then it shows him like going to rehab and getting better or whatever. Um, but I remember like watching his drug addiction, like doing whippets and drinking and doing all these drugs back to back shit faced every day. I was like, man, I want to be that guy, you know, which is it's it's. The average person look looks at that documentary and be like, man, that, that's that's sad. That's a sad guy. But, you know, not me. I, I, just, I wanted to be like I wanted what that guy was on. So, you know, I'm doing whippets. I spent I remember one day I spent like three hundred dollars or maybe two hundred. But I got like six hundred cartridges of whippets. And I'm like, I'm just dusting. I'm taking like. 10 to 12 back to back passing out falling down and breaking stuff you know just shit face and we would we would invite like maybe like 10 to 15 people over every night just smoking drinking everything man and it was an all it was awesome it was really fun um but uh we we kept getting a bunch of complaints you know I remember, I think I got like 11 lease violations and they would like send them through the mail, man, it was, it was fun, you know, and I'd like met a girl and we were dating and, you know, I'm just messed up and just having a good time. And I remember, uh, uh, I'm at like the peak of my, uh, drug use right now okay i'm going crazy I'm taking everything doing everything and i remember uh my girlfriend at the time uh gets pregnant right and uh so i'm like okay whatever you know ever ever since i was like i remember being like Ever since I was like 12 or 13, I always knew I wanted kids, right? So, like, I'm okay with it, right? But right around that, she tells me that. 
is uh is right around the time that we got the stimulus check. Okay. So I was working Sunday. No, 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 no. I was working like Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And uh I remember uh I was working Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then we got we got our stimulus checks that week. I think we got it on like a Tuesday or something. Well, I got mine on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I remember old Dalton. Um, Dalton was like, he was heavy on the Zanny bars. That was him, you know. I started hanging out with Dalton again, you know, during this peak of my uh, drug abuse. And um, he said, hey, do you want to go take a trip to Ohio we can pick up like a whole sheet of acid. We can get like a hundred tabs, this, that, and a third. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm down, bro. I'll take you to Ohio. And, you know, I thought I was going to get all this stuff. Um, but we went to Ohio and um, I remember Dalton showed up to the first spot and we're, we're in like, I think it was Dayton or Columbus. Like we, we we're in the hood. I mean, this is the hood hood. Like it's, tweakers walking by asking for a ride i'm like no bro no and um so he goes to the first house and he uh picks up this this powder or whatever and um the i guess the acid dealer like flaked out on him so i i didn't get what i wanted but i did, i bought some some xanax bars and uh opiates off dalton and uh we headed back to the to the house um Cause I thought I was going to get this, this whole sheet of acid or whatever. And I was going to sell it. You know, I was, I was looking at it from an investment standpoint. Uh, if I could go back, I would have taken that money and bought the podcast equipment. Right. It, it was an idea I've had since I was like 16, 17, you know, I think, I think every male young wants to start a podcast. Cause it, you know, there's just a lot of crazy uh, things we do, you know? But, um, you know, I go back, we get back to the house and, um, you know, I buy a case of booze and, uh, I remember Dalton was smoking this powder and he's smoking it out of a crack pipe, which was like my first time seeing a crack pipe. Uh, Dalton said it was, um, it was like hydrocodone mixed with quaaludes. Okay. And, you know, I was pretty knowledgeable about drugs at the time and i knew like quaaludes like you can't get those anymore you can't there's no way but i'll take it for what you say and i'm watching him smoke the he would hit this crack pipe and like pass out and i remember his lips would turn blue and he'd start drooling and just he would just pass out for like 15 20 minutes and then wake back up and uh do it again you know and he said he was like hey if you want any you can go ahead and at first i was like i was like i don't know man because the first time he did it and i saw his lips turn blue i was a little scared and then eventually i was just like you know whatever screw it i'll do it so i i i hit the pipe like once and i'm like whoa okay and i'm pretty i'm pretty high but um uh what ended up 
I actually think it was just fentanyl. And I think he knew it, but he didn't say it. Because it, it ended up later down the road, we found out uh, Dalton was doing a lot of fentanyl. And um, so anyways, I, I hit this thing like two, three times. And then I throw up, you know, like I just, I couldn't have food in my stomach, you know? And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling all right, but I'm feeling a little funny. You know, I'm not really liking this too much, but you know, it's all right. Cause I, I didn't really like it too much. Cause I was like feeling sick. You know, I couldn't have anything in my stomach. And, uh, I remember I went, I picked up Jason and, uh, we were at my apartment we're just kind of like like watching Dalton, you know, keep passing out and stuff. And we're we're drinking and, you know, just having fun. But it's like, it maybe gets to like 4 or 5 in the morning. You know, I go take him home and I come back and I'm like, uh, I think I was trying to get Dalton to wake up because I was like ready to go to sleep. So I wanted to take him back home, but he just wasn't waking up. And I remember I finally got him to wake up. And then he hit the pipe again, bro. And went back to sleep. I couldn't get him up. So I was like, you know what? You know, whatever. He'll just stay. I remember I got him some pills and stuff. And uh, I don't think, even think I threw a blanket on him. I think I only had one blanket. But uh, yeah, I gave him a pillow. And I had all this stuff folded up for him to, to go home. And uh, I I hit the pipe maybe like one more time before I went to sleep, right? And... I took a hit that was like way too big. I remember hitting. I was like, "Whoa!" Like that hurt my lungs. It was so big. But um, at that point, uh, I had overdose. You know, I had. I mean, just laid out. Don't remember anything. I was asleep for two days. I mean, this happened on a, a Thursday at five in the morning. I didn't wake up until uh, maybe Saturday morning. I woke up Saturday morning, and I remember. Um, I remember waking up on like Friday. I didn't know what day it was, you know. <clears throat> but I remember I woke up for for like I don't know maybe like three minutes or something. I wasn't up long, but I remember I woke up and I just felt like I couldn't move. And I had been, um, I was like laying on my back, like kind of, I was on the couch. I was laying on my back, but I was like swallowing my, I was, no, I was breathing in my spit. You know, I was just so messed up. I was like breathing in my spit and I remember waking up just feeling you know, you can feel the, there's stuff in your lungs, you know, there's mucus in your lungs. I, and, uh, I could barely move when I woke up, I could barely move. And I remember like opening my eyes slowly and it's, it's like bright. The whole room is, you know, there must've been a light on or something, but I just remember staring at the wall and thinking like, man, this is, this is it. Like, you know, I, I was like, man. You know, Gavin, you really did it this time, man. But um, you know, it's all right. It's been a it's been a good run. You know, it's whatever. It's all right. It's okay if I if I die. You know, I felt like being near death. It was just it was just peaceful. You know, it was like 
it's you know it's all right that's how i felt and i just went back to sleep like i thought i thought i was gonna i thought like i was gonna die and i was okay with it so i went back to sleep but uh i woke up maybe uh sad i woke up saturday and i was finally able to get up and um but i was messed up so like when i stood up i could only stand up for like less than five minutes because i would just get out of breath when i stood up so i think it was like maybe sunday morning i went to a med check you know and i told him i had an asthma attack i said some bs and um yeah i So I started like taking like the breathing machine for asthma, the inhaler, whatever, getting better. But a little bit before this, I had really like messed up the relationship with me and Brady. And I had, uh, I was just being an asshole. And uh, he eventually um, moved out. You know, people at this point, like people aren't really fucking with me because I'm like, I'm going fucking crazy. You know, so people are kind of like backing away from me. And I just remember like, you know, you wake up from your overdose and it's like, there's nobody, you know, people aren't fucking with you. You just overdosed. Um, you couldn't go into work. I basically like lost my job at this point. Um, you know, you wake up from, you just overdosed, you're, you're, you, you know, you're almost going broke. Like I had a little chunk of money, but I just like lost my job and I had a baby on the way, you know? So that was like the rock bottom. And then it came to find out is, uh, when Dalton went home, he had, uh, Matthew over Saturday night and, um, Matthew, what ended up uh, happening is uh, <clears throat> Matthew had gotten a pill off of a, 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 this, this guy he knew. And uh, adult, uh, Matthew said it was Xanax. And, and uh, Matthew was like, hey, Dalton, you know, you want to take one of these with me? You want to split it? And he's like, I don't know, man. That pill looks kind of funky. Like, I've seen Xanax, and I've never seen an orange Xanax. He's like, Matthew's like, whatever, man, suit yourself. So Matthew takes this pill and um, maybe 10 minutes later, Matthew's just blue, completely blue. Um, So what ended up happening is Matthew had overdose on fentanyl. That pill was fentanyl. And, um, you know, we'd all found out and it really like tore up. um, Dalton's reputation was definitely like damaged after this. Cause, uh, everyone thought that like Dalton did it basically. And that's what the cops thought too. So when the cops were investigating, basically everything Dalton was doing, I took him to Ohio to get, and the cops wanted to get me on a charge for like, I don't even know what it would be. It would, I don't know what the charge would be. It was like some degree of like manslaughter or something, you know, because if Dalton gave Matthew something, 
and Matthew died, then that means I was I was responsible because I took Dalton to go get this. And they they had like took me down to the station and I had to plead my case basically. And I just like I came clean and told them, you know what happened? You know, we went to Ohio. I don't know what it was, but you know, we went to Ohio, we went and picked this up and we picked this up. This is what he said it was. We picked this up. Yada yada yada. <clears throat> um but, you know, what actually ended up happening was Dalton didn't give him anything to overdose. Had Dalton have done that, I, uh, I wouldn't be here right now. Um, which, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty touchy topic because a lot of people just want to... It's, it's so touchy because, you know, a lot of people were Ma uh, Matthew's friend and, the, and they're, they're mad at Dalton. But, you know, you try to, like, say, hey, like, this... Technically, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, if this was true and Dalton gave him something which killed him, I wouldn't be here. But people weren't just but people just weren't trying to hear it. So So at this point, Matthew had like no no no. At this point, Dalton had lost all his friends, you know. And I'm still like rebuilding my life, you know what I'm saying? And I remember Yeah, I'm gonna say this right now. Like my stepdad's a fucking piece of shit. And I, let me tell you why, because Right after I had overdosed, you know, I kind of lost my job. Like, I knew when I come back, I'm fired. You know what I mean? Because I had, had taken so many uh, days off. <clears throat> and so I went and got this other job. And my stepdad was like, oh, yeah, they'll uh, they'll pay for your welding school. It'll be good. You're going to learn how to weld. Then you'll be making the big money. So, like, I'm excited. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I just, I'm thinking I had a small fumble. And I'm just going to go. Um, after I overdosed, um, I was still drinking. But the pills, they just they just weren't the same to me. Anytime I would take a pill, I'd get sick. Just like I was when, when like right before I overdosed. Like I couldn't, I couldn't stomach anything. I just didn't feel good. I just felt gross. And um, <clears throat> yeah, man. So I had to cut out the pills and I was only drinking. Um, this, okay, hold on. I'm, so I'm still drinking and I remember I became like a, you know, a, like I was an alcoholic man. Like I would, I would go into work at the warehouse, um, just drunk, just super hungover. I'd get like three or four hours of sleep. I'd come in like hungover, but still a little drunk. And I remember one time I went into the bathroom and I kind of like fell asleep. Um, I think this happened maybe a week prior to me overdosing, but I was a huge alcoholic too. Like, I mean, I ended up getting a kidney stone because, um, I was just eating Tums, you know, I'd go through like three boxes of Tums in like two weeks, man, because of the, the hangovers were crazy. I mean, I was drinking maybe 12 beers a day like from the more the moment i woke up to the time i went to bed i was drinking and um yeah the hangovers were crazy man but i ended up getting a kidney stone from all the tums but um and then that overdose hit so right after the overdose i cut everything man like it was it was rock bottom you know and uh, I went 
and got this job with my stepdad. And what actually ended up happening was it was uh, the reality of it. It was a shitty job. It was it was one of those manufacturing jobs where they hire um, they hire Mexicans who just came here. And because they don't speak English, they basically pay them. They pay them shit. I mean, like you're doing $14 an hour of just like back breaking work. And I remember I went and asked the, uh, the plant manager. I was like, Hey, you know, um, so I want to get into welding, you know, where can I go to the welding school or whatever? And they were like, I remember he told me, you know, there's one over here. And I'm like, so do I need to get them paperwork? You know, how do you guys pay for that? And they're they're like, hold on. What do you mean? We don't pay for it. If you want to go get it, you got to go get it yourself. So I'm like, at this point, I'm like pissed off, you know? And, um, you know, I'm in this apartment. I'm alone. Uh, My girlfriend was with me, you know? And, uh, you know, just at this point, it's like I left there. I was like, you know fuck him you know it was a piece that was a piece of shit move for like lying and saying it was like something that it wasn't just so you could get help that's fucked up um so i didn't really talk to him after that and i still you know that's just that's just fucked up and he's just a depraved mind uh what's it called you know when someone lies about dumb stuff you know, stuff that doesn't really matter, but you can tell they're, they're trying to like pass off a lie to make themselves seem cooler. You know, he's one of those people and it's just gross. You know, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to hang out with you. You're not, you're not, you're no family of mine. Okay. So, um, that, and that kind of hindered the relationship with my mother, you know, cause it's like, I couldn't really hang out with her. I couldn't really go over to my mom's house without, you know, him being there. And at this point, I don't really give a shit anymore. Um, but yeah, so I left there and I'm just working odd jobs, like get my life together, man. And that's just what I've been doing ever since. Just working odd jobs, man. But, you know, that overdose just ended all my drug use, man. And, um, I don't really work odd jobs anymore, you know. I finally, um, you know, I got money to do the podcast stuff, which um, I've been lacking on. I've really been lacking on my goals because of the the same pain that caused me to uh, do drugs in the first place uh, really started creeping back on me and really just like, you know, it races through my mind. And, you know, now... Um, I, I don't I don't do drugs I don't drink um, but the the pain of it definitely uh, take it takes a toll and um, I see myself getting back into like loser habits you know like playing video games spending too long on TikTok and I you know stopped with the the podcast stuff but now you know I'm trying I'm getting my shit back together but uh, I'm not in uh, I'm like my I'm I'm skipping over my story here with a bunch of details. Um, but yeah, at the time I was just working odd jobs, you know, I thought I had a baby on the way, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, my, my ex at the time ended up having a miscarriage, um, which was really sad. 
And um, I remember she was uh, she was upset at at me because I didn't really like I wasn't as upset at, about the miscarriage as her, which um, you know I feel like a mom. She was like close to the baby, you know what I'm saying? Like I never held the baby, you know. I didn't, uh, and I was young, you know. Uh, which I mean, I I just think most fathers do, aren't capable of of processing that, and um, that's just something I think uh, she needed to understand. But uh, uh, she was a very nice. A girl she was very good to me but I at this point I'm still like a grouchy I'm very like I could snap at any minute you know just I'm still I'm still like going through shit like emotionally you know uh processing all the pain without drugs um so you know I'm working odd jobs now you know my life's a little more stable uh yeah, just getting all this shit. But that's basically the story of me a little bit um, and my drug use. And um, nowadays, like, I still see my peers doing uh, drugs and stuff. And it kind of upsets me when I see people going out partying and shit. And they'll post it on uh, on their stories or whatever because... You know, I used to be that guy. I know what it's like. You know, I know when someone's hurting. I know when someone's hurting inside and they, they just want to like go out and get drunk, you know, but they're not, uh, they haven't hit rock bottom yet. You know what I mean? And I don't want people to have to go through what I went through, you know? I mean, when I hit rock bottom, I just felt so ashamed. I know I said that I thought it was just going to be a little bump, but it really wasn't when I thought it was going to be a bump and I thought I was going to get this job and become a welder and that failed. I'm like, Oh shit. Like life sucks. And, um, <clears throat> I just don't want to go. I don't want anyone to go through that, you know? And, um, you can, you can see it in people, you know, if anyone has ever like done drugs or like gone through trauma, you know, you can tell, you can tell when someone's like gone through something or like really has something on their mind. You can tell. And um, it's really sad. And I just, I hate to see people like throw their lives away. Kind of like I did. Just piss, piss away your time and not meet your full potential. You know, I, when I was 17, 18, I thought by the time I was 23, I was, I was going to make it. And now here I'm 22, but this year I'll be 23 and um, not where I thought I was going to be, you know, and had I not done drugs, you know, had I joined the military, my life would be completely different. You know, it's uh, there's there's a million paths you can go down. And I think most people wonder how their lives would be had they had chosen a different path. Um, but I chose the, I always chose the path of least resistance and here I am, <clears throat> but yeah, um, just seeing people hurting, man, you can just tell. And a lot of people like when you call them out, they usually get pretty pissed off because they're very like sensitive about it. You know, people 
put these walls up. And when you try to when you try to go in, you know, you try to call them out, you try to go in and they're they're real defensive. But you know. And uh that's how I feel with uh with all the degeneracy and all the crime out there, you know. You see people uh you see people doing drugs, you see people doing crime, you see people burning shit down, you see people who are uh, gay or trans. And all of that shit, it's from childhood trauma, you know? You know, the person who's out there robbing people, that's the person who didn't have anything. They were too poor to have anything, and because they're kids, they're not able to do something about it, so they steal shit. And as much as no one wants to be around a thief, as much as everyone thinks like a, a thief is uh, just a piece of shit person, you know, deep down, you that you know, people are hurting. You know, people are hungry. Um, you know, people who. Uh, and one thing I really do believe when I see someone who's like trans, like I know deep down when they were a kid. You know, they were never able to feel who they are. They never wanted to be them. You know what I'm saying? Like when a, <clears throat> when you see a woman, a young girl who's brought into this world and her mom doesn't teach her how to be a woman, I can see how like her mom doesn't teach her how to be a woman. So she feels inside that she's not a woman. That she was, she's something else because she's not that. She's not able to identify with the women around her. And that's why I think that people become trans. And um, it's just a, it's just a big weird thing. Um, I get the feeling of like when I was a young boy, you know, I didn't know how to fight. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I, I didn't feel like a man. And sometimes I still don't feel like a man, but I know I'm not that fucking, I'm not that crazy. I don't, you know, <clears throat> I didn't have it that bad. I knew that I, I was into women. Um, but yeah, man, it's just every, everyone's out here hurting. And, uh, you know, there's, there's points where I do dog on people, you know, and, uh, you know, call people losers, but it, when I when I mean that, it's usually in an aspect as as uh, I'm trying to be funny for the camera or or you know tough love like outside of uh, being funny for the camera, but you know deep down everyone's hurting. Everyone has a story, and just because your story isn't as sad as someone else's, it doesn't mean that you weren't abused. It doesn't mean that you know. It doesn't mean that what happened to you is not bad. It doesn't mean that what happened to you is okay. And um, that's just been on my mind heavy recently. And I thought that would be good to talk about today. Um, that's the huge reason I wanted to hop on this podcast today, man. Just people are hurting, and especially financially, man. These groceries is crazy. I mean... I need to pick up some more hours at work, man. You know, get these uh get, get get my finances back in check. But um yeah, my goals are uh on this next paycheck I wanna 
uh, get some better uh, mem- get some RAM cards for my computer, and then I can start streaming. But uh, definitely, I probably won't stream like video games and stuff. Uh, I just want to be funny, kind of be silly. I've also in the in the time from when I was going through like my peak, like when I was like right about to hit rock bottom. I started looking into God more and I was always the type of person because, you know, the way everyone grows up is how could God exist? You know, it's uh, when you when you go to, to most schools, God doesn't exist. You know, you always think you see this world where everyone's hurting. God doesn't exist. And um, I started finding him because I always thought like I always had an open mind and I'm like, I can't. I'll believe it when I see it. And then I started seeing it because I would read information uh, about events in the Bible. And then I would see, okay, there was uh there's evidence of uh, uh, Noah's Ark. There, then there actually is. Uh, you can look it up on a, I don't know what mountain it was, but on a mountain they found uh, like a big remains of like a 300 foot boat. And they were able to uh, look and there was like, traces of uh where wood had been and it was like a big 300 foot boat so you know that's evidence and then there's more evidence of uh the flood happening which i forget the name of the event but it's like a there's been a couple flood events that we've been able to record and um the last flood event that happened was right around where the bible dates it um I'm not even going to bother telling you, like, if you, if you want to read up on this shit, you got to do it yourself. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not going to sit here and, uh, make claims because you'll never, you'll never find God if you never want to look. So, you know, at that point I started, uh, believing in God because I saw it and I saw how, um, he had prophesied the world and there's this, um, There's this one saying, or not even a saying. There's just one verse in the in the Bible. It's somewhere in Romans, but it says, uh, "People, I'm I'm gonna look it up because it's very strong, and I don't want to butcher it with my uh, caveman mind right now. I got a little red forty in me from the fan I was drinking earlier. Give me one second, fellers and femalers." Here we go. I just burped, by the way. It was it was yummy. Romans, uh, Romans 1, 26 through 27. I don't know what MSG, what's that? Well, I don't know what version that is. Let's go to King, King Yame's. King, King James is uh, reliable. Oh, shit. That's not even. Ah, uh, here we go. <coughs> Nothing. Um, here we go. I don't have the context, but here's the verse. Uh, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. 
Where's the next one? You're... I'm going to just do American Standard. Hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute. All right. Here we go. Worse followed. Refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. Sexually confused, they abused and defiled one another. Women with women, men with men, all lust, no love. And they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love, godless and loveless wretches. Um, that verse is so true to our society today. And um, yeah, man, uh, I got some more topics that I could talk about, but we're already an hour 15 in. I'm going to save those for the, the next podcast because I only got uh, three more topics. And uh, I'm going to just build on that, bring like six or seven topics to the table next weekend um i hope you all enjoyed the episode if anyone listening is going through something you know i hope maybe with this story you you may not feel so alone you know because i know everyone's going through something everyone's got something uh bothering them you know and that's okay you know it's okay it's okay to have something wrong with you you can't be you can't be perfect all the time But uh, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Hope you all have a good one. And uh, as always, I would like to thank you all for watching.